Praise God. Any prodigal people out there where you've blown it, and when you came back to God, you found out he was waiting for you all along? That is so different than the way we as humans feel because we are basically works-oriented people. When I'm doing it good, God's happy with me. When I mess it up, God's mad at me. I want you to understand today that you don't have to live in that guilt and shame and condemnation. Praise God. So I want to ask you, as I preach today, if something makes sense, say amen. If something doesn't, pray for me, all right? And uh, let's do this together. It helps me to preach if you help alongside of me and let me know that you're understanding what we're talking about. We do have outlines. I hope that you have one if you're ready to get started. <clears throat> we're doing this series called The Big Picture. It's called The Big Picture. And it's the idea that there's something way bigger than you. Ladies and gentlemen, we, were not, we did not create ourselves. We were created by God and we were created for God. And sometimes we get ourselves in a mess when we think that life is all about us. If we could ever learn that life is about him, then what we need to do is not near as stressful. Amen? I'm so excited to be here today. <clears throat> off I don't know what happened I guess you didn't need to hear that point it, it wasn't that good anyway right God bless y'all today the big picture is about the spiritual warfare you see all of you have enemies some of your enemies is your own is your own self in fact if Satan can ever get inside your head to get to your heart you will be your own worst enemy throughout your life and Satan's aim is to get you there, then he kind of leaves you alone because he doesn't have to do any more to you. You'll do it to yourself. And once he gets that in you, then that um, voice is in your head, that voice of shame, that voice of condemnation. And we want to silence those voices today. And the way to do that is we need some protection for our heart. And when Paul in the New Testament gives us the big picture, he gives us the armor of God. And I love to have this thing back here, the uh, armor, the uh, soldier guy back here with the armor. And it gives us a picture of what it looks like to be ready for battle. No matter what you think, tomorrow the battle happens. In fact, some of you won't even get outside of the door before it happens. Satan knows who you are. Satan knows where you are. Satan knows how to flip your switches. Satan knows how to get to you. The Bible says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. It looks like we do, doesn't it? It looks like our problem is the person sitting next to us or the person that we work with or the person that won't drive faster than 20 miles per hour on the highway. Or in some cases, the one that drives 80 miles per hour on the highway. Sometimes it looks like it's the boss. It's the person that is around us. It's those kids. Parents, that was your opportunity to say amen. Sometimes we just think the problem is outside of the room. But you know what? If the problem is outside of your heart, then there's nothing you can do about it. But if the problem is in here, then there's actions I can take to do something about it. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, so... We've been going through the different pieces to the armor, and we've talked uh, about the belt of truth. 
And we've talked about, what, what did we do? Blake, you did something. What, which part did we do? We, we got ahead of the game. We got a little bit out of order, but it doesn't matter because it's all part of the same armor. I think next week we're going to talk about the sword of the spirit. Um, we talked about the shoes of peace, about being fitted for life and for the gospel. Today I want to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14 and I'm reading out of NIV today, and I think probably in 2021 I'm going to be using the NIV when I preach. I just like the way uh, it flows, and it's easy for us to understand. And Paul says this, and it's easier in the NIV than it is the New American Standard. And this is the way he said it. He says, stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. In this passage of scripture, Paul is using the verb to be or to have, and he's talking about things that we have all the time. We have the belt of truth all the time. If you ever take off the belt of truth, you're in trouble because the belt is what holds you together. And if what holds you together is not truth, then it's a lie. And if it's a lie, then you're not going to be held together. You, did you notice that Satan, when he comes to deal with you, he deals with you in the realm of lies because if he can get you to believe the lie, then you believe the lie and then you do the wrong thing and the next thing you know, your life is living a lie. God wants to keep you together with his truth. And we live in a world right now where people say, well, you can't really know what the truth is or my truth and someone else's truth. There is no such thing as my truth or someone else's truth. There's only the truth. I tried that in algebra class in seventh grade and it didn't work. I thought my answers were truth, and they've come to find out they were not. And if the answers aren't true, then they're not true. And today we live in a world where people say well, you can make it up as you go along. That is just simply not true, and the more we see a nation and a culture that goes away from the truth, the more we're going to live in the lie, and the more we live in the lie, the more we're going to see destruction. Because anything that comes from a lie is coming from Satan. The Bible calls him the father of lies. So we have the belt of truth all the time. And another thing we have all the time is the breastplate of righteousness. Now the breastplate was about this big. It covered the midsection. And we're going to call that protection for your heart. The Apostle Paul has told us a few things in these scriptures. And I'd love for you to read them again sometime in Ephesians 6. He tells us to be strong in the Lord's power. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God because it's the Lord's armor. Ladies and gentlemen, the belt of truth is not your belt. It's his belt. The breastplate is not, his, is not yours. It's his. And he has given these things to us for us to put on. Too many people willingly take those pieces and lay them aside and think wrongly, I can do this without it. The Apostle Paul says to stand firm because it's the Lord's battle. He says to buckle up because it's the Lord's truth and to secure that breastplate in its place. So today I want to talk about, practically speaking, what it looks like to have this breastplate of righteousness in its place so that we can live the type of life that God wants us to live. And I want to really attack the idea the idea that all of those condemning voices inside of us are speaking truth. Now, let me say it like this. If you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then according to the Bible, you are already right now living under the condemnation of God. The wrath of God is already on your life. 
And it's going to be working through your life. You might say, well, why is my life constantly going in these, in these ways? It might be because you have never taken your life and your faith and put it in Jesus. Because you can either do this Jesus' way or yours, and your way is the wrong way. If you have confessed Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says that there was something huge happened to you. It was called justification. Say the word, justification. And what that word means is that God has declared you not guilty of your charge of sin. So when God does that, the way that he does that is that your sins have been placed on Jesus at the cross and Jesus' righteousness has been given to you. It's a great exchange. You exchange your sin for his righteousness. And sometimes people say, well, you church people just think you're perfect. No, we just think we're forgiven. And being forgiven, we can live forgiven. You see, if I'm not guilty of all of the stupid sins that I've done in my life, guess what? That makes me want to live different. Doesn't make me proud. No Christian is proud of their sin. We don't like our sin. And the reason that you know that is because when you become a Christian, you must repent of your sin. You can't be in love with your sin and have Jesus' righteousness. It's not possible. So this message is for those who have done that. It said, you know what? I'm tired of doing this my way. I'm going to give up my way and I'm going to do it his way. And when you come to Jesus Christ and repent of your sin and put faith in him, he gives you the gift of justification. It's like the judge's gavel comes down and says, not guilty. And when God says you're not guilty, guess what? You're not guilty. So this message today is going to be in three parts. I want to talk about who the armor of God is for. I want to talk to you about what, the, the, what righteousness is, and, and then I want to talk to you about what the enemy is after with the people of God. Let me tell you something else about salvation. I'm going to go ahead and say this. There's a lot of time people say, well, I just don't know if I can believe once you're saved, you're always saved. And it's unfortunate that anybody would have a problem with that because that is the clear truth of the Bible. It's clear. And I don't know the reasons why people think they can lose their salvation. Sometimes they say, well, you mean I can just live any way I want to live? I'm like, you're missing the point. Because if Jesus forgave you, if Jesus gave you the down payment of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of your uh, inheritance, as a guarantee of your resurrection from the dead, if Jesus held up the chalice and said, the new covenant is in this blood, not anything that you do, and if you think that by your works you can hang on to what you couldn't work for, you have some biblical problems. You see, I'm not telling you, oh, I'm saved, so let's go have a sin party. You have missed the point. Because saved people don't like their sin anymore. Because God gives you a new nature. See, if you are a saved person and you try to live in that sin nature and you try to do those sinful things, you're going to be one miserable person because you're out of place. You're living like a foreigner. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You have been justified. You have been declared not guilty. Jesus said, if the Son make you free, you are free indeed. And so what that means is I live free. And I don't live in the shame and the guilt and all the stuff of the past. But if you've never done that, you need to do that today. So see, the armor of God is for people who have lived in their life and God has given you things to protect you from the wiles of the enemy. Because see, the enemy cannot take your salvation. Do y'all know that you're saved today? You do, do you know that? 
If you have actually put your faith in Jesus Christ and you've said once and for all, I am going to trust him and not myself, and you have believed upon him, the Bible says you are born again, you are saved, and I want you to know something, Satan knows that he can't ever have you back. But he knows he can make you a miserable person. And so God gives us the armor. And so the armor is something we think about all the time, and we apply it, and we have it, and we take it up as needed. Ladies and gentlemen, point one, the armor of God is for the people of God. The people of God are those who believe the truth. The Bible says put the belt of truth around you. And so you are one of God's people if you believe the truth. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.4 that God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, without truth, there's no salvation. The truth comes, the Holy Spirit applies it to your heart. You realize that you're guilty before God and you repent of your sins and you put faith in Jesus Christ and you are born again, a believer of the truth. The armor of God is for those believers and also for those who have received righteousness. The Bible says in Romans 3.22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Do you see that? If you believe on Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus is given to you. Ladies and gentlemen, Sunday morning, last Sunday of February 2021, I've got good news for you. If you have faith in Jesus, his righteousness has been given to you. It's good news, isn't it? And you know, the thing is, most of the time when we have problems, we have problems in our life, in our relational things because of who's right and who's wrong. Everybody wants to be right, but nobody in this room is right all the time, right? Do you think that you're right all the time? The only way you can be right all the time is have the righteousness of Jesus Christ in you. Does that make sense? Now, what is that righteousness? Righteousness, according to Tony Evans, it's the standard of God by which we can be accepted by God. It's the standard of God by which we can be accepted by God. You don't get accepted by God by trying harder. You don't be accepted by God by trying to clean up your act because you know anything that you clean is out here. Our problem is in here. And only God can get there. So you need something bigger than what you can do. And this righteousness the standard of God by which we can be accepted by God is freely given by faith in Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, when a person is righteous, he or she is declared not guilty of the charge of sin against them. Declared not guilty. And there is no such thing as double jeopardy. Once it happens, you are forgiven and justified. It's the great exchange, my sin for his righteousness. When you've been declared not guilty, you've been cleared. When you've been cleared, you've been cleansed, and when you've been cleansed, you live clean. Why do you live clean? Because you're changed. Not guilty people live free from guilt. Why? Because they're not guilty. Truth, righteousness, protection for your heart. The armor of God is protection for the people of God against the enemy of God. Now, here's where the message gets practical today. Because it's important for you and I to know, for you and I to know what the enemy's all about. The Apostle Paul says we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy, but I'm afraid many in the church are. We, we, we don't pay attention very well at how the enemy works with us. I want to try to expose him today. 
It was really strange because after this message last night, I had a very strange dream of an enemy coming after me. I don't know what that meant. But I do know one thing. When you expose the enemy, he comes after you. But you know what? He cannot get past the armor of God. So what does the enemy do? Let me give you some things about Satan today. First, let's talk about his character. His character is one of lies and wrongness. God is a character of truth and righteousness. Satan is the exact opposite. Satan works through the realm of lies. That's why it's so important that you know what the truth is. That's why it's so important that you are responsible for digging in and finding the truth for yourself. Don't just drink in what some preacher or anyone else tells you. Go and use the brain that God gave you. And first and foremost, open yourself up to God. The Bible says you'll know the truth and you'll know who God is when you seek him with all of your heart. If you're willing to know the truth, you can know the truth. But too many of us want lies. We want to be able to do our own dumb things and we cover it up with our own lies. Satan is all about lies and wrongness. Does Satan have any goals for you? He can't take your salvation. Do you agree with me? Somebody say amen. I mean, Satan cannot have you eternally, but you know what he wants? He's got three goals. I'm going to give them to you first. He wants you to feel fear. Satan wants you to feel fear. Can I be very honest with you this morning? One of the reasons why in the last 12 months I've been so vocal about what's happening in our country is because what I see happening in our country is one huge bucket of fear that's being dished out and dosed out to people through social media and the media, and it's done every day. People who say, I trust Christ, but yet afraid of everything that they come in contact with. This fear has made us afraid of each other. It's made some afraid to go to church. I just don't understand it. Other than the fact that I know that Satan's goal is to make us feel fear. I didn't see this one coming. If somebody would have said a couple years ago that God, that, that Satan would use something like a pandemic and things that we've seen to make people so afraid, I thought, nah, you can't do that. But here we are. And even people now are still scared to death. And I'm like, why would you want to be that way? I mean, you got a choice, faith or fear. It's your choice. Who determines your steps anyway? Who is your God? I mean, does God expect you to save your life? I don't think so. The goal of demons is for you to fear, 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 fear. That's easy to say. <laughs> Can we cut that out of the video? I'm not getting a, a yes. The goal of demons is also to feel powerless, hopeless. Has anybody felt hopeless this year? Has anybody felt hopeless? Maybe your situation you feel hopeless. Maybe it's not just what's going on in the country. Maybe it's something inside of you and some failures you've got inside of you and some things going on inside of you to make you feel like just giving up hope. You might think, I've done things so bad, there's no hope for me. Have you ever thought things like, you know what, I know God loves everybody else, but I really don't know if he loves me. And you might wonder how you got to that conclusion. That didn't come from God. That might come from some old voices in your head. You may have a parent that told you you were no good and not worth anything, but I want you to know God doesn't say that about you. 
And Satan might sing those words to you and go through your head to get to your heart, and it can lay there and lay there and lay there and lay there. And if you do that, you're going to feel powerless. There are a lot of people in the world that every day get up and stick a needle in their arm or stick something in their nose or stick something, whatever. They smoke something, and they think, I'll never get over that. And they feel powerless because they have willingly given their life over to a power that's stronger than them. And you need something bigger than that power. And I want you to know something. There is somebody bigger than that power. There is power in Jesus Christ. As long as there is Jesus Christ in the world, it's not powerless. It's not hopeless. The goal of demons is for you to quit. Demons want you to give up. Whatever God's working in your life, demons want you to stop. Somebody starts working in the ministry. You know, I, I experienced this many times. And you're moving along and things are going well and all of a sudden something happens and Satan says, well, you might as well give up. Anybody ever heard that? People get saved and they're, they're, they're born again and they start serving God and they think, this is great, I'm never going to have another problem. And one day they have problems and they're like, well, maybe, uh, maybe I got this wrong. That's Satan. He wants you to quit. And I'll tell you something else he uses. If you ever fail, then you'll go, how in the world did I fail? I'm a Christian, how could I fail? I must not be a Christian, I guess I'll give up. That's his goals. He speaks to our mind to get to our heart. Now, he has tools that he uses. And I'm going to give you five tools that he uses to get you to that place to feel fear, powerless, and quit. The first thing he uses is temptation. Temptation. What temptation is, is very common to all of us. We have the truth. Temptation says there's another truth. God says this, this is true. Satan says, no, this is true. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, were given the truth. Don't eat of this tree. Satan says, I've got a better truth. God is keeping something from you. Temptation is the idea of detouring around the truth. There's another way. You don't have to do it this way. I mean, how many times have we seen that? Even in our world right now, there is truth laid down by the scripture, and yet Satan and his minions say, there's another truth. There's other things that you can believe. In fact, one of his biggest lies is, you can have your own truth, and you can live by your own truth. Yeah, you can die by your own truth too. And if you do that, Jesus said, if you don't build your life on his truth, then you're like a person who builds their house on sand. And it's not going to stand. Temptation always has to do with the truth. Then after temptation, he entices us to sin. You see, Satan knows if he can get us enticed to look at the detour long enough. And maybe you're looking at it and it looks better. And this has got to be better. And Satan never comes to you and says, this way is harder, but it's better. No, Satan comes to you and says, this is an easier way. This is less conflict. This is less problem. This is for you. This is what you want. This is going to make your life good. Amen? Have you ever known anybody that after 10 years of using drugs say, praise God, meth changed my life? There's not one person. 
the state of Illinois has decided marijuana is legal. That's a great idea. Why don't we just introduce some more gateway drugs? Let's just do what we can. Let's just, let's just all use, right? It's just changing our life in such a great way, right? Satan brings his own truth. He entices us. He tempts us. And he begins to roll us in. See, once you sin, you find out that the detour was the wrong way. You're going down a one-way street the wrong way. How long will that work well? It doesn't work very good, does it? Sin shows us that the other way misses the mark. The word for sin literally means, I think it's harmartia, it means to miss the mark. It's like you aim at something and miss it. And you're aiming at truth and you miss it. Temptation leads to sin. And do you know something? That happens to Christians too, doesn't it? There's not one Christian in here would say, I haven't sinned in years. If that's you, put your hand up so we can see what denial looks like, right? There's not anybody here. Nobody came in here and said, I hadn't sinned all week. Most of you, if you'd be honest, you'd say, yeah, I've got some problems. And you know, your problems aren't just the sins you do, it's the sin patterns. You see, in recovery ministry, which I'm a big fan of, we deal with sin patterns. Somebody could say, well, I was tempted and I used this drug, and you use it one time, that's bad. But you know what ends up happening? You end up going back and going back. And see, in the beginning, you're choosing, I can do this. But after a little while, it chooses you. You know how many people I've worked with in, in the prison and the jail? People in prison on death row, I'm like, how'd you get here? And almost universally it comes back to, I started using drugs. Started using drugs, needed money, and started doing what I had to do to get money. I've worked here in Massac County with our detention center. And I want you to know something. I love those guys. And people who are addicted, we love those people. Those people are our people. We're all the same. But their problem is different than mine right now. And it's sin patterns. And it gets you. And once Satan gets you in that pattern of lifestyle of what you're doing, then you know what he does? He starts accusing you. He comes to you with a loud, violent, despicable voice. And begins to speak to your brain to get to your heart. The Bible calls the Satan calls Satan the accuser. Look at Re Revelation 12. The accuser of our brothers. Who accuses them before our God day and night. Satan's the accuser. Here's how he does it. When Satan tempts you to do wrong. Now you think about it. Think about your issues today. I don't know what your issue is. But everyone here has got them, right? Can we agree we've all got problems? <clears throat> so, we've all got problems. Satan knows your particular problem. I've said this so many times, I'll say it again. You can put me on a cruise ship with slot machines in my room. It would never tempt me. I have no interest. And they're everywhere now. And I'm not here to criticize anything. I'm just saying God or Satan would never tempt me with something like that. Because it's not me. But Satan knows my triggers. And Satan knows your triggers. And Satan will tempt you in the area that you are tempted in. And what he does is he says, 
this isn't so bad. Just one won't hurt. I hear people do that all the time now. I hear people say, well, I'm not using hard drugs, just a little weed. I'm like, mm-hmm. Let me just go ahead and just shoot that one down. The Holy Spirit of God did not lead you to use weed. Okay? You think God led you to do that? God's like, yeah, you know, I think you could use some. Give me a break. Let's just be honest, okay? Well, it's not that bad. I mean, it's legal now, blah, blah, blah. Just because something's legal doesn't mean it's right. Somebody say amen. Don't make me preach by myself. You say, well, you're criticizing me. I'm not criticizing anything other than the Satan who has done this to people. And he says, it's not so bad. Just one little indiscretion over here. One little look that didn't need to go there. One little angry spell that didn't need to happen. One little not forgiving somebody that needed to happen. Some little indiscretion. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. So then you take the bait and then Satan says, that's a big deal. Because he knows if he gets you into the sin patterns, he starts reeling you in. Those guys that I worked with in the prison on death row, they didn't just one day wake up and say, I'm going to kill somebody today. But what they did was little by little, they compromised. Little by little, and Satan reeled them in. You know what? Then once Satan got them, Satan said, you're horrible. You're pathetic. And Christians, when Satan does that to you, and you take the bait, he will begin yelling at you in a voice that sounds like your own. He's the accuser. Satan is like the world's original social media big mouth. He's constantly running you down. He's speaking inside of you constantly to get you to feel powerless, to feel hopeless, to give up. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not against people today. I'm against Satan and I'm against what he does. And I'm tired of people living in that type of guilt and shame. Because when I read the story from Jesus, Jesus said the prodigal, though he did all of the things I've talked about, when he went home, Jesus, through the Father, was there to receive him in. He ran to me. That's who God is. God's not mad at you tonight. God is ready to redeem you. And Satan always accuses and accuses, accuse has a best friend and it's called guilt. When Satan accuses and you receive it, you begin to live in guilt. That's where the, the hammer goes down inside of your heart. Let me just define guilt and I think this is what I'm after today. For the next few minutes, I want to expose the false guilt that we feel. Before I get into this, let me say this. If you need to get right with God, repent, and I'll show you how to do that. But ladies and gentlemen, if you're living in a guilt complex, I want you to know that's not God's will. By definition, guilt is the fact, state, or feeling of having committed an offense. There is something called false guilt. You know what false guilt is? False guilt is when you're not actually guilty, but you still feel guilty. Some people live their life like that. If you had a parent that used guilt to manipulate you and control you, it's a good chance throughout all your life you're going to feel guilty about things that you're not even guilty for. But some of us 
we know some of those things we did back there, and we still think about them because we've never reconciled with the fact that God's forgiven us. You can have guilt inside of you to the point that you start living in a guilt complex. A guilt complex is a false view of God and our righteousness. It's one-sided. When you start to think of God being he's right and I'm wrong and he's good and I'm bad and he's mad at me, you've got a false view. It's a belief in an angry God. Some people are in church like that. They think, I can't come to church because if I walk through the doors, I don't know how many times I've heard this, but if I walk through the doors, the walls are going to fall in. You've got a bad view of God. God sent Jesus into the world not to condemn the world, but to redeem the world. People like us. People that have messed it up. Some people view God as a taskmaster. He's, he's hard to please. He's, and, and, and he's disappointed. You ever felt that? Come on, can we be honest? Hey, I'm in the ministry. I know what it is to wrestle with guilt. And you think, well, I, I should have handled something better. The church should be in better shape. We should be, you, know, you get all that kind of things inside of your head. Satan always yells at you. You didn't do enough. And sometimes you think God's disappointed in me. If you think God's disappointed in you, let me just help you with that. All of the expectation of God was placed on Jesus, not you. So when you are in Jesus, God is pleased because it's his righteousness that's in you. So why live in that guilt, tormented life? Sometimes people say, uh, we're under duty. We have to pacify him. We're like pagans. I did this wrong, now I got to do this right. I messed this up, so I'm going to go do this, something else, guys. If we could pacify God that way, Jesus didn't have to die. But we could not. And Jesus died. Here's the fruit of guilt. This, if you're living in a guilt complex, this is you. You'll give up. You'll give up on the things that God is doing in your life. You'll quit. If you are living in guilt, you will experience burnout. Why burnout? Because you'll be trying so hard to please everybody and God and everything. And you'll completely run out of energy. You'll live in fear because guilt and fear are twins. You see, if you live in guilt, then you're expecting punishment, and that's fear. You getting this? You're living in giving up, burnout, fear, legalism. Do you know what legalism is? That's where there's, a, there's 20 rules I got to keep. I have to keep these 20 rules and read the book of Leviticus to make God happy with me. And the only guy that does that is sitting on the front over here. He sends me Leviticus scriptures through the week. You really did, didn't you? I mean, we think we've got to do certain things. Sometimes people say, you know, if I'm not, there are some denominations that say if you're not in the church, every time the doors are open and you die, you'll go to hell. That's crazy. No one can live up to that. Anger. You're going to live in anger if you have a guilt complex. You know why? Because anger is a defensive posture to deflect guilty feelings. Do you ever wonder why you just talk about something, you say something, and somebody's around you, all of a sudden, boom, you know, boom! 
The bomb goes off, and you say, what was that? Something, somebody got triggered because there's something deep inside of them that they hadn't dealt with. And then shame. Shame. What's the difference in guilt and shame? Let me say it like this. Shame is behavioral guilt that becomes personal. See, first it's like, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Shame is, I am this. I am this. I am this. There's too many people in the world living like that. Did you know that Jesus, the Bible says, went to the cross despising the shame? He even took your shame. There's no reason for any person in this room to live in shame anymore. You're not trapped. You're not in chains. You've been delivered, but you need that breastplate. You see, the breastplate is for people who feel like, I've ruined my life. I'm just no good. I have messed up so bad that God's done with me. Sometimes when Christians do something wrong, they say, you couldn't be a Christian and do that. What kind of Christian am I anyway? And if anyone finds out, and we live in shame, let me put it to you like this, a guilt complex is willingly living under condemnation. Willingly living under condemnation. To the side of your nose, write Romans 8.1. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Can you all believe that today? There is now no condemnation. Why? Because the gavel has come down, not guilty. We've already been there. And the last thing that he wants us to do is to, he wants us to quit. If you live in guilt and shame, you will quit. You will quit everything that God puts in front of you because you can't deal with it. So we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And I'm going to give it to you simple. And there are three words that I'm going to give you that can help you in any situation because some of you are going to need this this afternoon. Some of you need it right now. But I want you to remember this, and it's easy, all right? If somebody fell over out here, maybe had a heart issue, what would we give them to try to revive them? CPR. I'm going to give you a CPR for your heart today. When you feel the shame, when you hear the accusations, when you feel guilty, three things that you can do. Let me give you a scripture real quick. The Bible says, even in the Old Testament, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it, okay? So it's the, the breastplate is so important. What is going on in there, you need something to cover that. And when you have the breastplate of God's righteousness, that protects your heart. Chip Ingram said, an unprotected heart is asking for deep, life-threatening wounds. And so today, we want to make sure we know how to put this on. First thing, the first letter, C. And this is not in any given order. It just makes sense this way. C, confess your sins. Confess your sins. CPR for the heart. Confess. Say the word confess. Look what the scripture says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just 
and will forgive us our sins. Leave that up there a moment. I want you to look at that real strong. If we confess, the word confess is a Greek word, homologeo. It means same speak. It means to say the same thing about it that God says. God says it's wrong. You say it's wrong. You don't confess your sins by saying, yeah, I got this little thing, God, I do. You're missing the point. Confess means it's wrong. God, I own it, and I confess it. And when you do that, according to the Bible, it says he is faithful and just. What does that mean? That means every time you do what he tells you to do, he will do what he says he's going to do. Every time. If you come up and confess your sins, and you walk away and you still live in the penalty of that sins, you're not trusting what he said. He is faithful. He is just. He is righteous. And notice what else. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. He will take that away from us. Put it on. Confess your sins. Secondly, put on Christ. My mentor told me this all my life. Brian, you got to put on Christ. What in the, I kept saying, what does that mean, you put on Christ? Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. That's a declaration of faith. I am putting on Christ. And one way in this situation with the guilt and shame and accusations, how do you put on Christ? Look at the scripture. I love this scripture. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. What does that mean? You see, we feel the shame and the guilt down deep, don't we? A lot of us sitting in here that deal with this. It's okay to admit that. In fact, can I say this? You're never going to get better until you admit it. If you don't admit, you don't get better. And when I feel convicted and condemned in my heart, Apostle John says God's bigger than our heart. And so since God's bigger than our heart, what has he given me? He's given me his righteousness, so I put on Christ. Well, you think that you can just live the way you want to live after what you've done? Yes, I do, because who the Son makes free is free indeed. Confess, put on Christ, last, recognize the voice. Recognize the voice. When you feel guilt, recognize who's speaking to you. Satan is the accuser. If you're feeling shame, recognize who's talking to you. Could put another R there and reject the bad voice. I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to do something. Next time you feel that shame, speak the word. We're going to talk about that next week, aren't we, Blake? We're going to take... The, the sword of the spirit, and we're going to put the spirit right on the enemy when he comes after us. The protection for our heart is that God has already purified us, and we are indeed cleansed. And because of that, we can live lives free from guilt or shame. CPR, confess your sins, put on Christ, recognize the voice. When God speaks to you, God speaks to you in order to draw you back to relationship. Satan speaks to you to accuse you to move you away from relationship. Recognize the voice. Y'all received the word today? Amen.